Welcome to After the Deluge. I'm Justin Cott. What follows is a lightly edited Zoom call with some of the Patreon supporters for the show. Since I stuck to the Bright Eyes records for the series, this is a chance to get into a bunch of the other Conor Ober stuff and side projects and whatnot. I cut in a few songs, but mostly this one's just a raw Zoom hang. Thank you to Maddie, Michael, Rena, Greg, Justin, Purr, and others for joining. I had a super cool time. I don't normally send people down to the show notes, but this one has a list of all of the records. Connor Oberst, Commander Venus, Norman Baylor, Desparcitos, Monsters of Folk, Better Oblivion Community Center, all of them, just to kind of orient you for this conversation. It's not necessary, but if that's the kind of thing you enjoy, it's all there and you should check it out. And with that, here is my conversation with some of the Patreon supporters of this show. Big thanks again to them for making this episode possible. Traffic's kind of bad The widening easy street To fit more SUVs To plant baby trees To grow to shady peaks A little shelter from the sun Or the upper tax bracket Here on the cul-de-sacs We're not giving back To the community repent Cause we can't afford You can feel free in this context To talk about whether you attack Whether you listen differently When it's not bright eyes Whether it makes no difference to you and But really just go at it from what you put think records or songs you particularly like and why maybe you really can elaborate in any way you want to pretend you're on podcast or that you're on a zoom call, whatever works for you. I would say one at least mental distinction I make is the Connor Oberst and mystic Valley bands are in my head, like a very short leap from bright eyes. Whereas Desaparecidos, even better oblivion are kind of their own thing. So when I was listening to the, podcast when you mentioned oh there's 10 years between these two albums there's no way and i realized in my mind i'm putting all those other connor albums like in that continuum even though they're different. yeah he's extremely busy in that time it's like oh 10 years between albums kind of tells you oh wow what a for such an expressive person to stop songwriting then you're like no he didn't stop songwriting at all like (laughs) wrote songs the whole time What's what's really interesting that like I'll give kind of like an an arc to this, but like I didn't connect hard with Monsters of Folk, and I think in a similar way to the way I to way it's it ta- it speaks a lot to like the the things that I didn't love about Casadega, I think, and I, I genuinely say these things as like a little bit luddite self criticism is like they're they're they feel like like the Monsters of Folk record feels this like this big washed in reverb sprawling open thing a lot of the time and it's i kind of like it's like i'm simple in a way that needs to just grab onto something simpler and i i, I don't know and that though that feels common about those two and 
I think that was like kind of this period where, where I drifted away a little and then what, then that kind of continued on to people's key. And then it was around payola, the Desparcios payola and uh, ruminations that I like fully, fully swung hard back. I'm not sure why that didn't continue on to down in the weeds immediately when it came out, but like payola and ruminations were like me coming back to something I drifted away from in a really, really big, really intense way. I kind of feel like ruminations is where you lost me a little bit. I did not love that album when it first came out. Um, I mean, I still listen to it. Um, and I, I, I prefer that to salutations, um, like the, the more, yeah. um, acoustic version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, that was one where it's, I kind of feel the opposite from you. It's kind of, kind of lost me there. Yeah. Is, is the story with that, that it was like, he was writing songs and the way he would write songs and then go record them, but instead just released, released the ones he recorded as demos, I think kind of deal. It was, yeah, it was, might uh, be the outlier. I actually like salutations better than ruminations. I, I like both of them a lot, but salutations is in my rotation heavily. I, I love it. Yeah. I've, I, I think I can totally understand both of those ways of, of seeing it. Cause I, I connected hard with ruminations with, myself and my headphones on and like a, a just hearing this guy's voice and, and instruments but it really has like a specific place to to put on you know it's not going on all the time whereas salutations i think can and it's still those songs i mean that's kind of what i loved about um payola too was like okay i'm getting this like punk album and i like a lot of punk music but i get the guy who writes the bright eyes songs writing them and singing them that's like gold that's like mm -hmm. That's a dream, you know. Legit, legit protest music in the modern age. I mean, For real. You know, Rage Against Machine broke up a long time ago. <laughs> you know what <laughs> fucked me up? Room for this kind of band. <laughs> you you know what trips me out about both those things? Like, it's funny you bring up that point. Is like Rage Against the Machine. I would conflate with being overlapping with George W. Bush, but they're broken up before George W. Bush and nine comes in nine eleven and those wars happen. And yep. and payola, I would almost like it's got the, all these immigrant songs and protest music. That's 2015. Like maybe Donald Trump has come down the escalators to to give his little speech, but he's definitely not president yet. And he's it, both of those things are before those presidential terms happen, which I don't. It doesn't mean anything really, but it like maybe it tells you something about like oh yeah, we pin down these moments of that seeming like they're really, really dysfunctional and maybe bordering on authoritarian or something like that or whatever narrative, like that's way oversimplified. But like, it's it, it, that's it's all oversimplifying. Like the world felt in a way for these people to come make this music at that time, you know? Like there were, there are issues. Maybe they're even more nuanced and maybe even more problematic sometimes, you know? Per, what's up? Uh, yeah, and I think also thinking about the like political moment, comparing uh, read music, speak Spanish, and, and Paola, you're seeing how how things change, how like sort of the the beyond like the war on terror, the enemy in read music, speak Spanish is like chain stores being a sellout, conformity, malls, fashion, and like consumerism. It, it's kind of this like sort of vague concepts in a way, like Naomi Klein's no no logo, like sort of just yeah, adding all these things together into sort of, and it's not like clear how, how they connect. Uh, to each other, whereas on Piola, it's so much more about like or organizing and like you see Occupy come and like sort of okay, you can actually like you know get together and and, and organize and do stuff. And I the first song there, uh, the left is right, and they have all these things about like yeah yeah how we treat uh, migrants and, and so on. So like I think it's just sort of the left turning from something that just sort of complains about 
branding and chain stores to actually like organizing. I think we see some of that. And I think yeah, Payola is much more politically mature in that way in, in some ways. And I think it's also like it, it mixes things uh, a, a lot, like this sort of song about anonymous, like if they, as if they are some kind of like positive agent of, of change. But I think two, two things that I think are really interesting with Payola. Uh, one is uh, Underground Man. I think a lot of bands who were like, really positive about um, Obama in, in 2008, who then became disappointed, they sort of backed away, you know, like that uh, meme with Homer backing into the hedge, uh, <laughs> uh, sort of, whereas uh, Connor, I think he vocalized that disappointment in the song Underground Man, which is like really angry and, and really good. And I think that was unusual. I think that uh, that was interesting. And then one of the absolute best songs on this album, I think, is uh, Te Amo, Camilla Vallejo. So but it's also so strange because it's just like this like hero worship of someone who I doubt would like that kind of hero worship. It's very far from like sort of the not me us. It's like you, you're so amazing and like saying that, you know, they can never match your style and you have the people in your palm and you're not afraid to die. <laughs> like it's like such a strange. Uh, it had, it had me that song. Sorry. It had me Googling South American politicians. It's also cool how these protests grew and so on. And now actually Camilla Vallejo is the spokesperson of the Chilean government uh, at the moment. So uh, I, I would really like to know if this like song had any kind of cultural significance down in Chile when these protests happened. And also that just sort of grew, grew and grew uh, until they sort of this protest movement sort of won the presidency uh, last year. So yeah, I think it's such a strange song, but also an amazing yeah. song. It is a It is a unique like song title i love you insert politician name it just just seems it's a funny funny thing but that that song and i think around that time period there was kind of like i had this period where i i kind of like was listening to the music when i was younger that i liked i probably said this on the podcast at some point but like listening to the music when i was younger that i liked and then listening to them could progressively make worse albums as they got older and just not discovering new things and 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 all of that and there was some period where, I don't know if you know the, the writer, he used to write for Noisy and Vice. His name's Dan Ozzy. He wrote a book called Sellout. It was a really good book about like the major label feeding frenzy. I love that book. Really, I absolutely love that book. Really yeah. fun, right? Yes. Yeah. And I have the audio book. I've listened to it twice. It's awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. Same. It's like you have people choosing to sell out and their great success and then absolute failures and then complicated. It's just, just amazing. But he was, he was writing like in his early internet writing days, he started writing about I just kind of like saw some article, I think about the band against me who I love and then just kind of kept reading the guy. I was like, dude, this guy seems like he's writing art. He's writing for me or something like that. And so then I, it was kind of a vehicle into finding new music and I barely knew Desaparecidos in, in read music, speak Spanish time period. Like I just, and then, so then I get this and it was around the time, like I liked this band, the Menzingers and Joyce Manor and a few others. And they were kind of like, melodic rock punk with a little bit of folk a little like i don't know and and this just landed right in that the thing that like just to like kind of round out a conversation about disparcidos before going back to more solo stuff like their story is kind of sad like the story it's uh, i think i read that it's like this they have a big tour for payola and he gets sick and they have to cancel the tour that's that's kind of talked about a lot on that last episode and um so that doesn't happen and then it and then in the 2002 when the read music speak spanish one came out it was right around the time of lifted and it's like i think maybe at the time this the sense is yeah like fevers and mirrors and lifted and bright eyes is like ascending to some degree but i don't think it was like 
understood that it was to the degree, degree that it was. And the success of Lifted and Bright Eyes just basically snuffed out. Like it just would be really hard to sit there and keep making Desparcitos records when you have this other thing happening. And it just kind of like didn't happen, just was done. <laughs> it's kind of. Uh, to add to that a little bit, Connor would say that part of the challenge that they had after that first record um, is that. Uh, the war on terror started 9 11 started it was like this super patriotic time mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're screamy little political fan they just they couldn't get any momentum no one wanted to hear that at the time um because everyone was too traumatized i guess that that's the way he would he would put it that so there was really no momentum there <laughs> and obviously a lot of momentum behind bright eyes so i was like okay well, just carry on with that i'm gonna go sing <laughs> they never really back. picked up I'm going to go sing about my broken heart some more. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I could just, uh, I, I, I come from a, a heavy background. Uh, metals were my first love when I was super young, but I got into punk pretty hard. Uh, at the drive-in was a life-changing band for me. It's, hell yeah. That's kind of how I got into this whole indie emo post hardcore stuff, how I got to Fugazi. And uh, I was into Desperacitos uh, early on when that first came out. Um, but I didn't listen to them that much after that. So when Paola came out, it was really exciting because I thought like, oh, wow, this is I'm not getting a whole lot of this kind of record these days that I really connect with. So I was really excited about it. That was so floored. Um, Maricupa. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's the way to me that that is absolutely one of the best protest songs ever <laughs> and and very specific to our time. And it's a it's a protest song that benefits from that screamy hard style. Um, you couldn't do that on an acoustic guitar. It does not work. <laughs> um, I want the fuzz. I want the crunch. I want the shouting. I need to feel that chorus and Manny makes you feel it. And I love that it's told from the perspective of the people he's complaining about. So clever, so spot on. That, that song just floored me. I was like, oh man, he just wrote a, an all time classic. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Maricopa, the county sheriff, Joe, Joe Arpaio is there. And then Maricopa with the the KKK in the middle of it. That's that's protest, protest music turned up to to the max. He's got a few. I mean, Roosevelt Room, I think, is one of the all time best protest songs uh, right up there. And uh, I can't get enough of it. So he can disappear and his solo stuff. He knocks him out of the park. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, that's true. Like I've, I've. he picks it's you're you're right that like the war on terror happens and it's like uncouth at that moment the way the it for like maybe tasteful ways for like a few months but then in problematic ways for years to to where they were trying to make it wrong to criticize what the government was doing but i don't know just a weird weird project and maybe that one comes back again but i don't know to get it's one thing for what for three guys and two of them who've been close since to to come together and do something, but for a punk band that's had like fits and starts like that, I don't know. Um, Maddie, you're 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 not into rumination so much. Do you have a, a solo record you do like the most? Um, I or really, side project. Yeah, where'd it go? Um, I loved Upside Down Mountain. Um, I. Yeah, every Desert Island questionnaire sticks out. I really, really like that one. Um, I felt a lot of, um, um, 
I feel like time is always like one of the metaphors he uses, right? Like, you know, time forgot and um, there are hundreds of ways to get through the day, right? There, there's a lot of like, um, you know, pieces that 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 resonate with me, um, especially in sort of like the time metaphor zone. Yeah. Totally. I lo- I really loved Upside Down Mountain too. That was one that I came to like, I, I, I was, a, guy, a friend of mine started like a radio show and I went on his thing and he had the record in there, which surprised me because I like, I was kind of like away from bright eyes a little bit for that moment. And was like, wow, you got like new Connor Oberst record. And I think they say like, this comes on the heels of the like sexual assault stuff. It's like also another set of weird timing. And so, but I went and checked it out because of that. I think Spotify was new. So I probably went and streamed it or whatever and <clears throat> fell in love with time forgot, obviously like getting out what you're saying. And then Enola gay and double life, that run of two songs. I really loved those two songs. Mm-hmm. Um, Per, yeah. I was just going to say how great Time for God is, but I think you covered that. But I think it's just such a, I love like the big, like overproduced drum sounds and like there's the classic like Connor themes about like traveling and escaping and like cleansing yourself. And, and, and the part where he sings about how he wants to walk in the howling wind until it scatters all my thoughts. I think that's combined with that sort of big epic drum sound. I think that's so. And, and he's got a, great history of pairing with uh, different singers and backup singers. But I think the first aid kit on Upside Down Mountain is the best it gets. Like when they kick in, um, I can't remember the name, the first or the second song, um, maybe it's hundreds of ways. It is, uh, it's like butter, right? It's one of the That's, best. Yeah, they're like a crazy set of harmonizing voices. Yeah. That, and that... Um, You Are Your Mother's Child. I think you mm-hmm. wrote it for a movie that was unused. Um, but that song, and I have a few friends that, you know, got divorced and have kids and that said the first time they heard it, it's like getting punched right in the stomach. It's uh, just amazing. That That's exactly how I felt when I heard it. To me, that song felt like it was written by my dad, who was a musician. It seems like it was written by my dad directly to me. Every line, if it was from him, it'd be exactly true. Every single line. And the video makes it so clear. Um powerful uh, to me that's that's one of connor's most touching uh songs um i yeah i absolutely love that song i remember you at one point on one of the episodes justin saying like i don't know if plants have kids i hope he does because i think he'd be great <laughs> it's like some kind of sentiment that's like you know i think i do too but <laughs> whatever that's like for fun but that there are these songs you're right like he it's come up in like kind of references to like Catcher in the Rye and Holden Caulfield, there's going to be like a little thing in the zine about, about that, like this like ability to to describe childhood innocence and stuff like that in a way that doesn't have to come from a parent or whatever. He's, he's, he, but there's, there's some real beauty to it. I didn't know, I had no idea about a, a, a soundtrack that it didn't get used on or anything like that. Yeah. Do, do you know any more about that? That's all I remember about it. It was like a friend's movie and, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I got it from Wikipedia, so we can check yeah. it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think it's really funny how, like, I'm not gonna lie, I've used, I've used Wikipedia so much for this podcast series, and it's really funny how, like, 10, 15 years ago, our parents were talking to us about how, like, you could just put anything on Wikipedia, like, blah blah blah. You're gonna believe so and so, and it's like, kind of, kind of like more trustworthy than almost every all the other like websites updated by people and social media mm-hmm. and like Facebook feeds that are families are reading and stuff it's very interesting 
It got if me through remember, business school. <laughs> if I remember correctly, the the Wikipedia picture for Connor was the first show I saw him at was the the barn show in Makokota, Iowa. Um, he had super, super long hair. It was just like overalls. Um, and it was like a 200 person event. So I don't know who took that picture and like put it on Wikipedia. It was, yeah. But super, you were, you were, you were among them at the time. Yeah. 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 I was like second row. The only person in front of me was in a wheelchair. So I was like, I was first row. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And that was that, that well, was Tim solo. No, no, no. Well, he had the Fleece Brothers backing him. Um, yeah. I think he was doing solo stuff, but you know, Bright Eyes songs made it on them. Yeah. Yeah. Playlist, yeah. Yeah, you talked about first aid kit. The Felice Brothers were a band I, I somehow didn't know until like two or three years ago, and super good. Like super good in a way that like maybe was a kind of music that I listened to for a certain period, and then kind of like I think maybe the the world kind of like overdid that kind of music, like threw too much of it at us or whatever. And and but then finding them, it was like very very fresh and remember, cool band. Mm-hmm. I liked them. Yeah, they were his backing band for two or three, or maybe even more tours. I saw it multiple times, and they're one of his strongest. Besides Bright Eyes, I think this is the strongest backing band. Like iteration. Yeah, right on. Um, Michael, is it Michael? Do you have any? Do you want to tell us your favorite uh, solo version of Con Roberts? If you're yeah, in a good place? I think, um, <clears throat> yeah, I am now. Um, I think you know. I was really excited when on the. Um, record store day when the ruminations expanded edition came out i don't know when it was now it seems like it was yesterday but it's probably a couple years ago or last year maybe um because i really i i love the original ruminations but then i was super excited to hear the original versions to the extent that that's how you could characterize them um of those extra i don't know how many four or five songs that were on the expanded edition i think um so I, I, I really loved ruminations. I, I like salutations too, but for some reason my preference is ruminations. And when I got to hear kind of in the inverted way, um, kind of the, the scaled back versions of those songs that I heard in the uh, full band version first, uh, that was just really neat. I think I'm trying to think of what, what were among the songs that weren't on the original? I think like Empty Hotel by the Sea was one of them. Um, and that was that was a, an expanded version of Ruminations? Yeah. So, ru- yeah, Ruminations. Um, you know what? I, I saved. It, I went in and saved that as I, as I led up to... Um, as I led up to this Down in the Weeds Where the World Once Was, and I think I like just confused myself, like, why is this a different color? And did not even realize that that's gold, what that was. Yeah, that gold cut, the gold cover. That's the one that was issued later. So those those songs may have been accessible prior to the release of the LP, but I hadn't heard them, and it was just neat for me to um, kind of see it done in reverse. Whereas you know I was used to the the ruminations orig- original versions before the salutations album came out and then it was um kind of done in the opposite way but that's just <clears throat> i love that the the ruminations album and i saw him uh in in the same barn in iowa but it sounds like um it was after i can't even remember what year it was um me and my probably seven-year-old daughter at the time um saw and, the, and he played many of the many songs from 
uh, ruminations slash, slash salutations. And it was just, uh, it was I remarkable. S- I got to say, I go, I go years at a time without talking about Iowa, probably between elections. <laughs> and, and now we have two people who've seen at the same barn in Iowa. And the last yeah. guest on the show was coming to me from Iowa. <laughs> yeah, so, I saw him in 2015 uh it would have been the summer of 2015 i don't i, I he he might have played there twice um because i don't remember a ton of ruminations i don't think that one was out yet it must have been 2019 um yeah they were all clad in their um in their overalls and it was uh they were they were leaning into it pretty heavy that's fun. My favorite part of the ruminations tour, there was a, a guy with a fishbowl next to him that he would take all the harmonicas and wash them off in this fishbowl and add them back. Oh my and I God. thought, like, what a job that is. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> nice. Uh, Greg, do you have a, a favorite non-Bright Eyes version of Connor Oberst? I would say, I think Salutations. Um, I, I think it's a real tight album. And uh, there's some you know, nostalgia in there, uh, completely coincidental to my fandom of, of Connor Oberst. I lived around the corner from St. Diffna's for about six years. So like that was my local bar. Um, so then the song comes out, I'm like, holy shit. Oh, that's and awesome. the, vi- the video, I'm like, oh my God, it's been years. It was after he moved out. So I've never ran run into him there, but um, yeah, I was pretty... And the Lime Tree Deli was around the corner as well. Wow. So it was like weird. Uh, um, yeah, so that that one kind of hit me right in the, that's in the amazing. nostalgia feels. What, what's that place like? That that song is stunning. That song is amazing oh, to me. It is. Um, it, in Well, it's moved now. It's like two blocks away and it's different. But um, it was like a skinny Irish pub that would kind of dogleg in the back. So there was a table there that you couldn't see from the street. So if you locked that down early, you could spend the whole night in the table with your buddies. And then there used to be a backyard behind that. So, um, you know, the whole part about being out back with your friends and like that is very real, but you got to start drinking early to get that spot. (laughs) And I think also, um, God, there's uh, on... I'm wide awake. It's morning. There's a bunch of lines that are very clearly uh, related to that bar. Um, so you could like pick it up a little bit. That's cool. That's really awesome. I, I have to all cop to like not having heard except maybe some loose songs from water. Here's to special treatment and soundtrack to my movie early, early ones. Danny, you know about know of those or have heard them? Yeah, they're all on. Um, they're, they're all on live music archive. Yeah. Uh, the person who had them up on YouTube, she had her canceled. Uh, her she had her channel canceled, um, <laughs> and reached out to the sub and was like, "What am I gonna do? It's, you know, this stuff should be out there." And and uh, I encouraged her to throw them up on there. So they're all there, and uh, I encourage folks to listen. I mean, it, it is pretty interesting to see. I mean, it's very crude, and he's very young, and he's squeaky, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's kind of interesting how how intense his guitar playing is sometimes while he's singing like that. I mean, that's, he was obviously pretty damn talented at a young age. For sure. Is that they're not great, but it's, it's very interesting. I know there's, I mean, I would, for someone playing that young and making fully formed music at such a young age, I'd love to trace the, trace the line from childhood to doing that. Cause it's crazy. It's usually the people making the real, like 
garbage at 16, you know, not like having made the garbage for four years, five years before that to, to then get there. But so is like that space invader. So is it like in that vein? And is that song on them? Is it like, that's what this is? Yeah. Yeah. Space invaders is, is on, is on one of those. It's the same. I think that's the same release that has lava monster, which is another uh, famous one from his early days. I often say that 50 years from now, when they make the Connor Oberst movie, the final shot will be him at 13 recording lava monster in his room. There won't be a dry eye in the house. I'm telling you, it, it, it is that endearing to hear that song because it, it is, it's pretty, it's pretty fully formed for that period and very intense. And it's, and it's listenable. It really is listenable. So it's, it's, a, it's very endearing. I encourage folks to check that out. It's so cool. I mean, and you're I... talking about the guitar, the guitar playing stuff like that, like on that, on the space invaders one, it's like, okay, this is crazy. Like this is clearly a child and this is good, but then it goes from being the thing that's good to like spastically strummed shrieking. So he's already like, it's already that's unconventional and wild already, you know, like, and, and are you doing, I, I, on, when you hear it, you're like, Oh, this crazy little kid. But I think he already has some sense of like, you're, you're talking, he, I mean, he has the, I think there's like, you can't overstate Mogus and Tim Kasher and all these guys being six years older. He's hearing Fugazi and all this shit already. Like, and so it's, and I think he's just observant and whatever natural thing he has going enough to be like, I'm going to take this thing that sounds pretty and say the pl- scream, the planet is safe for now while I go fucking wild on my guitar. It's, it's crazy. I, it's unbelievable. Really. I also really recommend the song. Uh, you should be in Sweden from that era to like, that, that, that's a banger. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best one off that. Um... Yeah. We agree on that, but yeah, I, I really like, it. you know, you know, it's like, the reason I've said it a bunch of times, but the reason that like, okay, you make a bright eyes podcast and that's all bright eyes, but not all this other stuff is like, let's really think about it. Like just the, like, okay, he makes water. Here's the special treatment. These are like through the early nineties. And then you get, um, you start getting like the collection of songs and letting off the happiness. One of the members who's eventually in bright eyes is on one of those and producing it. Then by the time, like, this period, there's a period where it's bright eyes, but might as well be him solo still. But then he by was, the time, yeah, it, it takes br- the early bright eyes stuff at the same time he was in Commander Venus. At right. that time, bright eyes was the side, the side bedroom deal. Yeah, while he, while Commander Venus was the vehicle. Yeah, it's not until till um, the 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 two albums in one day that Walcott and um, Mogus and him become bright eyes. So it's like, and like, I, I, I saw it the way I spoke about it on the shows. It's like, okay, this is bright eyes, but like is letting off the happiness even, isn't it just a, a more sophisticated, more grown version of these ones we're talking about in the nineties? Like in reality, I'm pretty sure Mike Mogus was involved pretty heavily with letting off the happiness. I could be he, wrong about that. He was. But I, think, I think, yeah, I think by then he kind of saw Mike Mogus as being part of Bright Eyes. That's so it's a little bit different than those early ones. I don't think Mike was that involved. Yeah, I think he I think he helped very or no, I think he either helped very minimally or heard the songs from heard the collection of songs and then was like, okay, you need you should you should get some help. I mean, but, I don't know how they got that sound on Pull My Hair, but that's clearly a Mike Mogus magic right there. <laughs> yeah.
Does anyone really love the Commander Venus stuff? I'm curious. Does anyone really love it on this call? Not my favorite. I, th I think it's the one that, like, there was a lot of talk early in the series about, like, emo and, like, what emo is and everything like that. And, and you kind of listen to Commander Venus and you could be like, well, this is, like, kind of, like, in, in places really squarely landing in what people were calling, like, some rough-edged emo at that time. You know, like, that wasn't my bag. I mean... Yeah, I, I got that album back when you paid for music. I think uh, by the song or whatever. And I was deeply disappointed. I think I listened to it once, and I'm like, "That's enough." Mm, it's I the find worst. it endearing, um, and I'm a, I'm a huge curse of nuts, so it's always great to hear um, Tim on there too. I will say that uh, I, I assumed a lot of you weren't that into it. There's there's a great live clip of Commander Venus from 1995. If you guys want to see young Connor freaking out on stage with Tim there, and uh, the song quality is not that bad. I don't know if anyone's seen that, but it's it's a it is the earliest historic document I've seen that's really good quality like that. If you want to see like Connor's still wearing the glasses on stage, but he thrashes his guitar, almost knocks Tim out. Um, he's screaming into the mic with the glasses. He looks like a little kid, and he's going. <laughs> He's already full rock star. It's an amazing, it's not the best song, but to me it is kind of a, a highlight of his whole career. I've seen that, that performance is, it's important. If you send me the link, Justin, I'll, I'll put it in the description for this one. When I, when I, I put it in the chat right now, if you guys want to check that out. Cause uh, yeah. you know, the other early ones that I have from bright eyes, he's usually sitting down and like when he's 18, he's sitting down and playing the acoustic. So it's it's still he still looks really young, but it doesn't quite capture that young wildness. It's not young like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty it's pretty crazy. So I, I thought you guys might might think that. Uh, I think Justin, you you asked in the beginning like how we see that Connor solo differs from 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 Bright Eyes, and I also think it's interesting to think like how he thinks it differs because I think uh, I saw him live in two thousand eight and. Uh, for the first time, it was just like Connor Oberst uh, on the bill rather than Bright Eyes. I think he has to had toured before that as Connor Oberst of Bright Eyes, but not as just Connor Oberst. And I and he played like no Bright Eyes songs, which I think heavily disappointed ninety percent uh, in the audience. Uh, <laughs> he also and he's so like he was drawing that clear clear line. I think I think that was probably important at at, at that time. Um, he also did not play any songs from. The Connor Roberts album he had previously released. He played songs from the upcoming album, which made the audience even more frustrated because it was not, not like even not, not Bright Eyes, it was not even the these are the we, kind of we, things, these are the kind of things that would also make me frustrated in that moment, but that I respect at my core that he's doing, you know. Yeah, now like 15 years later, that's hilarious. Um power to him, but at that point it wasn't that. But he one song that uh, I would like to talk about that I just love, he he played the uh, Bree Breezy. And that was the first time I, I heard it, uh, which is just so uh, beautiful. I think it's kind of similar to Ladder Song in a way, because it's about someone he uh, knew who has died. And it's so, uh, just as you talked about in the People's Key episode, like sort of it sounds like it like fails to play the chords properly. And I think Greasy has some of that, uh, those uh, qualities uh, too. So I think that's one of his absolute best, like solo songs uh, and i heard it live then and then it came out on an ep and then years later it was released on the one of mankind uh, album but it was released i think first on an ep from 2009 
which yeah, it's just an amazing uh, song, like sort of a sister song to the latter song in, in many ways, according to, to me. Really cool. So he, so what do you have? You have Casadega in 2007, I think. And then you get um, Connor Ober self-titled that, that to me feels like besides Desaparecidos read music, speak Spanish, which they're kind of like have a following then that kind of feels like the first time you have this, you've, you've made this career, right? You've made, I'm wide awake. It's morning. You've made all this stuff. You've had this like mainstream success. And then you're choosing to make a record under the name Connor Oberst. Like, do we know what, like, I have my own feelings about it, that it's like some curiosity or a desire to express in different ways and different avenues, or maybe even sometimes reacting to popularity in a way that's deliberately doing something else. But like, I don't know any any sense of why he does that. Why does this? Why this doesn't just keep being bright eyes moving on? Like I don't I don't want to just like conjecture or anything like that, but because it's recurring and like it also leads up to the current moment. Like, is the next thing that happens another bright eyes record, or is the next thing that happens not? Mm. You know, he's not just going to stop writing songs. He's he's that is we do have data for that. <laughs> he's not. I can speculate. I can give you a couple anecdotes that might explain it. Um, they had a train wreck, right? I had a train wreck overseas show and, he, and everyone was just all disappointed. And he was sitting next to Cindy Lauper. Um, and <laughs> I think her quote to him was something like Connor getting old sucks. And I think he, I think, I think he told that story in the interview to kind of explain this, like, Hey, I'm just going to hang out with my wife and my friends in Mexico for nine months and uh if we make some music great if we don't we don't and that's what that first uh solo record feels like to me um it feels a it feels like a healing record in a way that's a little bit different than some of the other healing stuff on earlier bright eyes stuff um it just feels like he just wanted to be you can make a thing like that without the the pressure that comes with it being bright eyes you just literally not gonna exactly. even slap a title on it this is conor Oberst. exactly that's that's the thing and he doesn't have to get on stage and feel like he's got to deliver the best show of his life every night yeah, yeah. i think that's what he was kind of getting at and is that also what the audience expects even though i think there's a lot of like growth and like i think brian has matured a lot i think you are still at the brian show going to have a lot of fans showing up wanting to see an emo person screaming their you know whining about your broken heart so i think just like sort of to show that this is not what we're doing now this is not what we're about anymore i think that probably like i think it would probably have been this is pure speculation but like probably pretty difficult to grow uh as bright eyes at, at that time point when people were expecting a certain uh a certain thing so it's a chance to do something something else and i think yeah the the, the songs on the first solo album is a bit less emo lots of emotion still but it's not like him uh, being over the top sad which i think they stopped doing but still i think still think casadega has a little of that in, in some songs at least and I, I love casadega but like i think they really sort of not have to do that and, and not have anyone having those expectations um i think that was because i think it's a bit more like somber i think it has some amazing songs like cape canaveral sosalito lenders in the temple moab nyc gone gone and milk thistle i think like great songs and very emotional but not like him and maybe a little less personal, uh, like at least like I think you talked about this in the last episode. You really think like for some reason we always think it's like this is Connor singing. But I think like the first album, even if it's the first in his name, 
it's like feels a little more distance. It's not like you don't necessarily think the narrator of each song is, is is him. That might just be me, but I think a chance. I think to, it. To I I think I feel that in whatever way. Like I can't exactly explain it, but it feels like. I, I think the result is that like I like this. Now, obviously, like Cape Canaveral, and like I like the the records, but I kind of don't. In the same way that it feels the way you're describing it, pair it also that also is why I don't love it or it's not really inviting you to have super 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 strong feelings i don't think the way i think ruminations might you know like we have people here who like talk about it as their favorite or or least favorite i think it i think it is inviting that feeling whereas um that one was seemed like they were setting out to make a thing right yeah i think it's the same band on both but only outer south has the name on the cover but i, I think largely the personnel is the same and it's more at least it seemed to me much more deliberate of we're a band and we're making this record versus this came out of a trip right yeah yeah well i'm, I'm curious to see what happens what comes next because i i don't remember where i read it but it was saying that they were had two 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 albums on the deal that they're making now but that seemed like maybe these like Re- reinterpretations of old songs might satisfy that which which would seem like a very bright eyes thing like to all right we got a two album deal we're gonna make our bright eyes thing and then deciding midway through it that like let's just reimagine some old songs and then do some weird thing next who knows um uh, yeah just one more thing about the first solo album something I, I thought so much about when it came out like how we talked a little about this uh the last episode i was on the sort of the, the checklist of like first you record like a folk album uh, in new york city then you make like a political album. Then you make like then you become spiritual. Like sort of this, you know, how how to be Bob Dylan. Like the the, the, the checklist. And I think on around uh, the first solo album, he even started like dressing like Bob Dylan with a hat and stuff. Like maybe that's a like, classical country folkish look, but still. And also sort of singing like him a little in the song Get Well Cards. I listened to that, and I think like the, the parsing of words and stuff is very Bob Dylan. It's like wow, he really like full Dylan here, which I found very entertaining. Uh, the and time. ended up sounding like Tom Petty in the process. <laughs> <laughs> but the stuff, yeah, you get more cards about the postman asleep in the sand. That's just like so Dylan. It's like, okay, Connor, you're taking a little too far here. Uh, but I, I enjoy that now. But I was like, whoa, okay, one step yeah. too far. Kind of cynically. I mean, one of the pitchfork people I talked to, which they got that gene in their body, like just sort of like, oh yeah. And then he went and just tried to pretend to be Bob Dylan for a while. Like, which... My my thing I think is sure to a point, but I think it's like we were talking about with Commander Venus and like whatever emo music was. Like I think a lot of the re- like he's a person with an imperfect voice and a insane command of words and melodies. Like the about as qualified as you get to do it, you know. And he doesn't. But you're right. There there are there are these moments where you're like, okay. That's pretty Bob. That's pretty Bob Dylan-y. <laughs> like what you're doing here, but the, the funny nuance about that is that Bob Dylan tried to be other people. I mean, he literally tried to remake himself as Woody Guthrie when he first came out, uh, recreate himself as a country crooner in '69. I mean, he he, he is a, he is that chameleon. He is always trying to be someone else in a sense. So hating on Connor for so trying true, to be yeah. like Bob Dylan is it's pretty funny to me. But yeah. yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's, it's leaning into phases and stuff like that. The did you see that uh the guy who was on Saturday Night Live who was like like uh he he was like a 
just a YouTube guy who had like a Trump impression who who did like like oh. generations of Bob Dylan impressions like a couple months back. And it really was kind of wild because you're like, he's doing like everybody must get stoned. And then he's like in Lay Lady Lay. And you're like, wait, somehow, somehow Bob Dylan made like four different voices be iconic, but also different Bob Dylans. <laughs> you know, well, it's yeah, like, sure. yeah, we could uh, maybe start it off with the, like that folky Greenwich Village Bob Dylan. Here, let me get this uh, micro, this yeah. uh, harmonica here. This will be helpful. Okay. Uh, jingle bells, jingle bells. Jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride. <laughs> He's always giggling on these songs. <laughs> what fun it is to ride. <laughs> I think Calvin Coolidge said that. It's like some professionalism, please, Bob. But then, uh, but then he did. Uh, how about the uh, crooner when he did the crooner kind of the lay lady Sinatra. lay? Oh, yeah, the, the national, national skyline. skyline, Bob Dylan. He had a completely different voice all of a sudden. Yes, he had. It's like jingle bells, jingle bells, I jingle all the way. How fun it is to ride in a one horse open sleigh. Why are you singing like that? <laughs> we don't even need you to sing. You're Bob no, Dylan. You, you have your own voice, but he created a new voice. But then he did the whole like uh, rock band tour, the, like the Rolling uh, Thunder. And he's like touring all over the world. He's filling arenas. He's got the Rolling Thunder Review Band. That's my favorite Dylan because he's unintelligible. He's just screaming. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, I'm through the snow. You're in 2019, um, and then we get this announcement that he's making that Better Oblivion Community Center is coming. What what did you think, expect, and then feel about that record? It actually took me a while to unpack, because usually his solo stuff um, I can get into pretty quickly. And I like Phoebe Bridgers, right? But it took me a while to get into. But once I did, you know, like Dylan Thomas and, and Sleepwalking are, are genius tunes. Um, but it was a slow burn for me. Uh, I liked Phoebe Bridgers. I love him. Together, uh, at first, I was like, eh. Um, but it, it finally clicked. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I liked, I think what I came away, like, when I was, like, honest with myself, because I was, I was excited for it. I think what I came away was like, man, I really, really love half these songs. And then just the other half just kind of yeah. wash, wash through in the back, and that's fine. My um, favorite thing they put out is actually the single. Uh, little trouble which yeah. sounds like it's like the last thing it sounds like a little bit to me like it's kind of recapping their relationship and uh i love the fun of it i love how fuzzy it sounds i like it it kind of sounds a little overblown and a little little punkish but it's a pretty upbeat friendly tune um i love that one i think that's one of one of his mm -hmm. best and uh i i find their dynamic to be pretty charming when they're together I didn't know who she was when when that record came out, and I was grateful that um, obviously she's got a great backlog, and and I got it to dive into those. The other thing that I loved uh, by them was their live performance on what is that K E X P? They do lots of live. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. They do they do Easy Lucky Free with with Phoebe singing, and Connor on the uh, Connor doing. I'm, 
<laughs> I'm a guitar guy. I'm obsessed with the guitar tone and guitar playing that Connor's doing on that fuzzy, broken electric guitar. It is magic. Did it all get real? I guess it's real enough God, refrigerators full Blood another century Spent pointing guns Anything that moves Sometimes I worry Thank you for listening. In the second half of this conversation, we talk about some more Phoebe Bridgers, Boy Genius vs. Monsters of Folk, Connor's voice, bitterness on ruminations, dying slowly, dying quickly, the Salutations album cover, Connor's karaoke vibes, whether any of us have caught a train wreck show, and the Love is Real Facebook group and Discord. Uh, You can find that live on Patreon right now. I post all the episodes there before I put them here on the main feed, but I'm going to keep that one only on the Patreon, so that second half is just going to live there. Go to patreon.com slash after the deluge. Thank you for listening. Don't you Don't you